Hello, you are listening to Homilies from Newman University Church, founded by St. John Henry Newman and the home of the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to take a group of undergraduate students from Notre Dame to the Holy Land. I was leading the group together with the chair of the theology department, and we met with the group for several weeks ahead of time on Wednesdays for a meal and praying together evening prayer, but also talking a little bit about what, what a pilgrimage was. We didn't fill them with all the details of everything they were going to see, but wanted it to unfold on them. And we went to the Holy Land, and it was a lot of fun. It was about 20 undergraduates who had way more energy than us. And we would gather at the end of the day to talk a little bit about what we'd experienced, but we did all the things you would expect. We visited Capernaum. We visited Bethsaida. We visited all around the Sea of Galilee, went to the eastern side, which was the Gentile territory, and began to spatially see some of the experiences of Christ, we took a boat onto the Sea of Galilee just as it began to get a little choppy. And though we were in a big motorized boat, I was glad I was not in a small wooden one. And we went to the city of Jerusalem itself and experienced the place where Jesus was crucified and suffered and died. We had mass in the tomb. We went to Bethlehem. We went to Nazareth. And the whole time, the chair of the theology department, Matt, and I were thinking, I don't know if they're getting it. Like, they were doing it like tourists. We could have been at Epcot. (laughs) We could have been uh, at Disney World hoping to make Space Mountain. I'm sitting in awe once again at Peter's house in Capernaum. And 20 yards away from me, they're fake baptizing each other in the Sea of Galilee. It just didn't seem to make any sense to me. And then a week or so after, probably three weeks after we returned, we had one more gathering with them and for their little one credit that they were getting, they had to finish their work by doing these group presentations of what they experienced. And though they used more PowerPoint than I would have, it was amazing to be able to sit with them as they unpacked the experience, as they began to articulate what it was like to be in these places. And mostly what they talked about was being overwhelmed and not being able to fully understand the significance and how their mothers and grandmothers teared up as they talked about the different places they had been. And if anything, they accused us of not having told them enough about what they were going to experience. But isn't that the reality of having to experience something? Today, Christmas Day, is a little like that moment. It's like my favorite part of a wedding weekend. Not so much the celebration of the, the, the marriage or the party afterwards, though both are beautiful, prayerful, and fun. It's the going back to the bride's mother's house the day after and you begin to unpack the experience of the day. People telling the funny stories that other people may not have experienced. And talking about the people you were with 
and the experience of what it was. Over the course of this weekend, or this uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the church does that through its liturgies. Last night we met twice for the vigil, and the readings were still anticipatory, a little bit more like Advent, as we heard about the genealogy of Jesus, but still waited for that story of the crib, of that stable in Bethlehem where he was born. Last night, at the Mass in the Night, the so-called Midnight Mass, we heard that story. And had we had Dawn Mass this morning, we would have heard a little bit more about the angels and the shepherds, and the shepherds' approach to the crib. But today is a little bit more like that retelling of what happened. We hear this gorgeous prologue from the Gospel of John, written somewhere between 60 and 100 years after Christ's death, as the church has had time to reflect on the experience of who he was and who they have encountered and what they have received. And so we have these words that are so familiar to us, echoing the opening words of Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. We celebrate the coming of Christ as one like us, and that's what the prologue spells out. It spells out the fullness of who Jesus was before he was born into our world, the co-creator, the creator through whom all things were made, and that everything that came into being was created because of him, and yet he came into this creation to bring it even closer to God. If you take out the interpolations about John the Baptist, it is a simple Hebrew poem, and it has a high point, which is actually its low point in its structure in the middle. So often we focus on the, the feast we celebrate today, which is important. We focus on the fact that the Word was made flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, the very source of creation, became created through the power of the Father. But that's not the crux. That's not the central point of the poem. The central point of the poem is a few lines above it. Why did he do this? He did it to give power to us, to become children of God. The focal point of the incarnation, the focal point of Jesus coming in human skin, the focal point of Jesus becoming fully human, to walk in our world, to learn the ways of faith and the ways of love at the feet of his mother, to learn how to be a carpenter and function in our world at the side of his father. The purpose of Christ coming into our world, however, was simply to help us. Yes, by breaking the chains of death. Yes, by putting sin asunder. But more fully, by helping us to realize that made in God's image and likeness, we are called to participate 
and the very core of the divinity. We're called to allow ourselves to be transformed into children of God. We hear all the time about the child of God, but we seem to want to reject that we too are to be children of God. And isn't that what we hear in this beautiful passage from Hebrews? In Hebrews, the letter focuses on the humanity of Christ. That he who created all things was higher than the angels, but he came and took on humanity. And the angels gathered around his birth and proclaimed his praise. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to all people on earth. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. The heavens were singing the glory of God in the birth of an infant as one like us. Today, as we reflect on the gift we've received in the birth of Jesus Christ, we reflect on the fullness of the gift of salvation. We take this infant child, this sign of love, the sign of love as we understand it in our human experience, the sign of love of God reaching out to us in the most complete way he can to help us understand the fullness of what love is. For when we experience love, all love, human love, we experience God so that he could call us back to an intense relationship, to a unity, to a oneness, of a loving parent for a child and that we could cast off the ways of darkness, of sin, enter into the light of the one who came and become children of God, allowing ourselves to be transformed in such a way that we become the living presence of God in our world, that we reach out to neighbor and to friend and to the, the person down the street and to the person who drives us crazy that we recognize in them the fullness of God's humanity and, and the gift of God's humanity and the gift of God's divinity. And we work together to transform our homes, our neighborhoods, our society, and our world to be that place of peace that represents the gift of the Prince of Peace. So today we gather the day after the wedding, the day after we celebrate in the night the birth of one born into total poverty and humi humility, we celebrate who we are, the beloved children of God. We ask for the grace to take the gift of the child into our hearts and to be that gift for one another.